1: Welcome to New Books in African-American Studies, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Adam McNeil. On today's podcast, I have Professor Jean Casimir, former Haitian ambassador to the United States and professor of humanities at the University of Haiti and the author of The Haitians, A Decolonial History. Alongside Jean, albeit virtually, is Professor Laurent Dubois, translator of the Haitians and professor of history and romance studies at Duke University. I really hope y'all enjoy our conversation today. And welcome to the podcast, Jean and also Laurent. How are y'all doing today? We're very
0: good. Well, yep. At least I'm good. I can't speak for Jean, but it sounds like he is too. Uh,
2: It's warm (laughs) and sunny here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> good good and, and so for the for the listeners where are you all uh both coming in from this uh well for 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 us morning
0: um i, I am in Mar, and i'm in durham north carolina where it's also pretty sunny actually
1: very good, and and I'm coming in from uh, sunny Winter Park, Florida, in Central Florida, uh, and it's uh, mm. it's it's unseasonably cold here. I I don't know about this. I usually live in New Jersey, and I came down here for the cold. It ain't too cold, so I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, once again, thank y'all for so much for taking the time to discuss such an important book. Um, as I mentioned to y'all offline, I was just like. My goodness, this, this is some deep, this is some deep stuff that I needed as I'm heading into my uh, dissertation uh, proposal. And so I just really appreciate, uh, first of all, Dr. Also, Dr. Uh, Julie Gaffield as well for, you know, putting us in conversation with each other for today. So got to give you a shout out um, as well. And so, you know, really, you know, let, 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 let's begin with the first question, right, for, for our interview today. Really, can we talk about the origin story of this amazing book? Well, how did it come to be? Uh, it's,
2: it, uh, I mean, the answer could be quite long, but I will try to, to summarize it. First of all, uh, you should locate me as uh, uh, a 1956 generation in hate, which is the generation of what is called the 1956 revolution. It's no revolution, no, but okay. That is the after war, the, the elimination of the president, lesko who was one of the, uh, well, production of the U.S. occupation, and an attempt to have some kind of local uh, oligarchic group to take over. At that point in time, there were several changes among others, for instance, that history should be taught by a Haitian. Second thing also, I'm not saying it will be good or bad, eh? I'm saying what was eh, important at that time. The other element, which was also very important, is that the Haitian president should be a black fellow, because the Haitians, most Haitians are blacks. Once again, I underline that doesn't mean to my mind much, but it is in this milieu that I was born. Okay, so from that point on, in that change of a orientation of our vision of the society, I start looking, how come we're so poor, in fact? So when you say, how did the Haitians come to my mind? I try to think that, but this is what I always studied. Because how come we are so a poor. Okay, so that was the subject of my study, but it is not the Haitian, because the concept of Haitian, as Laurent, in fact, just pointed out in the conversation, eh, for us, it is not limited to the Haitian. In fact, Vaté, de Vaté, call Haitian even the Tainos. So you said, I mean, eh, and we call Haitian tout le monde, Everybody in Haiti is Haitian. You said, I mean, so, therefore... Mm-hmm. The idea how are we so poor is also something that is linked how all black people or all mestizo people or all indigenous people in the Americas are poor, how all African etc. Et so therefore, I start investigating that no, in different parts of my life. And this is my BA thesis, this is my MA thesis, and there has always been that kind of obsession and uh trying to find an answer to it. You no. Know? That was more or less how the idea sprout. You no, know? and I must say that I am very happy for those who found this so wonderful and short title, because I had a long title in French, as you do know. <laughs> and that is so simple. That's everything <laughs> what I wanted to say.
0: Well, we need to do a shout out to Elaine Meisner, who is the editor at UNC yes, Press, who uh, made this. Who came up with the title, for, or the new title in, in English? And also um, to Walter Mignolo, who played a absolutely critical role, really, whose 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 idea it was to translate it, and who from start to finish made the made this happen um, with support of all kinds. Uh, for so so, the, both of them were really important, and obviously his his uh, prefaces in the the book as well. Um, but I do think that the Elaine's insight about the title. the the title in French is. Um, I hope I get this right. Actually, like une histoire décoloniale des Haïtiens. Is that I'm right? no, a... Sorry, une, une That's... lecture décoloniale de l'histoire des Haïtiens. So it would be in English, a decolonial reading of the history of the Haitians, and then from the Treaty of Weiswick to the U.S. occupation. <laughs> that uh... never mm. end <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's useful just to put that out there because, of course, it is it is important that that. Uh, um... And one thing I should say is, you know, that this is. This is the first book-length study by Jean that's that's been translated into English. There's a few other works in English, but for you yes, know indeed. for me anyway, what an honor to to this you know Jean has published so much <laughs> and has one. been a huge impact. Um, his work in Spanish and in French, um, I think for a while it has been influencing uh, people studying Haiti. Of course, who've been reading it, but for anglophone readers, this is the the opportunity. And this book, I think you know, it really pulls together all of the strands of your thinking over your your long intellectual life. So in that sense, it's it's hopefully, it's not only, I mean, it's only an introduction. There's other work to, to follow, but it does bring together all of the major, I think, themes that you've studied in, in many other works if, as well.
2: And also it's important to point out the the work you and Walter have done, Mignolo has done, because the, the importance of, a, of the Haitian diaspora and the, of the youth in the U.S. studying Haitian history is such that it was very, very, very important to have that kind of a, that attempt at a global history on Haiti because there is, I hope, a, a, a public in the U.S. that is fundamental even for Haiti eh, in their way of seeing the history of Haiti because we have not even us being seeing it properly in my view.
0: Yeah and I think I know you mentioned right this is this is sort of an opportunity for many of your family who are in the US and people you know a lot of a lot of people in the Haitian diaspora who aren't necessarily going to read in French um the work and so here, having it in English is 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 big I think in that respect and just more broadly as well.
1: Yeah and and that's a huge this is actually the perfect way to begin the conversation because um what y'all did was just provide such an important primer for the listening audience, um, you know who who are many probably Anglophone listeners who might not have, Uh, I've heard of Jean and in in his work. Uh, But Lord knows after buying the book and we have very loyal uh, listeners who will go out and spend their important Christmas money um, on on this book. (laughs) You know, UNC Press does have a 40 percent discount. Thank you, UNC Press Um, and uh, Mark Simpson. Thank you, sir. Um, And so and so, yeah, people will definitely go and buy it. Um, and, And what they will find is just a treasure trove of important, really, interventions and, and theoretical discussions, I think, that really get to the heart of this question about decoloniality that, that obviously not only is through the title, but is peppered throughout and we through throughout the book. And so, ultimately, what was really your ultimate goal writing the Haitians, a decolonial history? Yeah.
2: You see, eh, first of all, in my previous answer, I hinted to something, in fact, I discovered maybe at the end, no? but the central position eh, of the Haitian eh, eh, vision of the world, no? our vision of the world, the central position is that famous sentence, key value of our way of seeing the thing is tout le So everybody is somebody. Everybody deserves respect. So therefore, in writing on the Haitian, I have in mind, you said, I mean, and this is, I mean, I just, it's beyond me to to think otherwise. All the Haitians, all the West Indians, all the African-Americans, all the oppressed people, because we do not distinguish, no, between oppressed people. And in fact, in the book itself, I was saying that uh, the black, or what we call in Haiti, Negro, the word is not a uh, pejorative in Haiti, no, is by definition in the mind of the Western world, the colonial worker par excellence. You know what I mean? A colonial worker is a Negro, period. No, the way they put it, the way they do it. And we have put it upside down, not with a sense of negritude, because the sense of negritude, is having uh, some particularities. In Haiti, eh, Laurent, as he knows, would be easily a Negro. We call him a Negro anyway. They say hey, there's a the Negro eh, eh, talk, eh, calling for you, you no? Know? And it's Laurent, eh? Because we don't see Laurent croix du bois. Croix, eh, you know what I mean? He's no, no, he's a person, and every person is a person. Therefore, by writing the book, my main goal is to see what the oppressed, the Negro in this sense, has done for himself or herself. Another element that is important. We don't have to say himself or herself. We have no gender in those sort of conversations. You see what I mean? So everybody is a person. So therefore, for us, you no, know, what have we done? And this is exactly the reverse of the modern world, the reverse of the proposition of 1492. You see, the proposition of 1492 is to civilize the whole world that is now part of—I yeah, don't know which kind of heritage was that. You no, know? so therefore, what have we done while they were trying to civilize us? This is the the basic uh, objective of my book. And since Haitians are, according to certain people, a shit country, you no, know, what is that country has done for itself? You see, and this was the my search, in fact.
1: And that's and that's great because you know it, it's it's just so interesting. As a as a kid growing up here in the state of Florida, um, I had countless uh, Haitian friends, and um, many many still today. And you know, just kind of just thinking about like when was the first time that I heard about or learned about um, Haitian history you know, it it was I can't necessarily mark it, but I know that one of the first times I was in college when I went to uh Florida m University, a historically Black College, um, the state capitol, and you know, and you heard, you know, as as you mentioned before, the the musings of a particular president that's leaving office um about about <laughs> Haitian people, right? And and, and it's just like I, I wonder what you know, in terms of um people's understanding of, of ha- Haitian people, um, what it would be like if they would actually learn about the history of Haitian uh, folks, specifically through the lens that you see through sovereign people that you uh, deliver in, in the book. So to me, that was one of the most remarkable things, just thinking about um, how we can even teach uh, this particular book now that it's uh, translated uh, through, through the work of, of Laurent and also UNC Press. Um, and so, you know, we we're talking about writing and, and teaching. So, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed through reading the acknowledgements and through reading throughout the, the book um, is that this was not only a labor of love, but a labor that went through a number of different hands in terms of people reading and intellectual communities. Um, so can you speak Jean to the writing process you undertook to bring the Haitians uh, into the world? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, actually, uh, uh, that question, <laughs> you see, since the book is nearly the, the resume of what I have done, so you have here, to my mind and the way I see it, and with, with no false modesty, a collective work, because mm. it, I think I put in the book all the influences that have made me. Now, if I start by the end, I will start by Duke, by Laurent, by Walter, and Ju- I say Julia, eh? Julia Gar- Garfield, no? or Marlène Doe, etc., or Deborah Johnson. But if I would have to start upside down, you see, by all those who have pushed me toward, first of all, history, sociology, mm-hmm. and then my dear master, eh, maestro, eh, Pablo Gonzalez Casanova, my dear friends in Mexico, and all the Latin Americans I have met during my, you see, my randonnée, my going around in Latin America, and then the Caribbean people. You see, all those things have been, have been, I would say, nourishing my idea of tout monde c'est monde. Everybody is a person. I have seen in all those different. Uh, 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 a milieu all the different fight all the different uh, uh, effort to build a livable life and to enjoy life to 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 breathe no <laughs> let that man by the way in Kuyol we have a very wonderful uh, phrase no the man is putting his feet on your on your neck no and to, you see what I mean so all those people who are trying to read, you know to take the feet, so I have them in mind. And this is really what is underneath the proposition. And all those people participated. For instance, the Puerto Rican. Let's say, for instance, Haiti seems to be a country that has been the first independent country. And Puerto Rico is not yet. But by the way, when you look at Puerto Rico, when you talk with the Puerto Rican, when you live in Puerto Rico, but they are more independent than most Haitians. You see what I mean? <laughs> I mean, mm. the, you have mm. to dig. This is where the concept of sovereignty call come, no, comes, no? I mean, you mm. have to see what we have done in spite of everything. And this is our, our, our bringing our being to life, you know? this is what the Haitian, you know i mean are uh, 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 are trying to say no and this is all these people who have you are trying to to reflect them to see them and to translate them in your own personal or communal or national history because it is not in fact a different history they are the circumstances that varies the location that varies not the history itself you know this search for life.
1: Mm. Mm. Look, Laurent, you you uh about to say
0: something? Oh, I was just I was just absorbing that. I think um you know I, I, what's powerful and some of what I think Jean is, is getting across, and people may not know that much about his biography. I I write about it a little bit in the in the in the book, but. Um, uh, you know, Jean left uh, Haiti in the late '50s, and and spent and studied in Mexico, and then for decades, really worked in all kinds of parts of Latin America and different parts of the Caribbean. Uh, in the U.S., uh, he he has this kind of Amer- this hemispheric experience, as well as obviously in Europe and and in Af- and Africa too. But there's a way in which all of that really does channel into the thought, and this book um, kind of channels and condenses, I think decades of, of really important thought in Latin America and the Caribbean too so that's just something to I just wanted to to emphasize to add on to what he was saying and and and, and to but it's also and it relates to our the point we were saying about language earlier but um, you know uh, Jean is really thinking from this what he calls this this counterplantation system in Haiti and from mm-hmm. its language its principles right and developing a, a, a theory of the world um, that is anchored in that, and I, I think that's why the the kinds of reversals and the ways that he thinks about things like the the experience of enslavement, um, things like the what the plantation looked like for those who were brought into it, think, and, and and so on. He's got. <laughs> sort of an ability to to shift perspective um, that I think is is really important and could be really important for really just anyone trying to understand this this experience of the history of the Americas as he said
1: yeah and I, and I think like that's one of the most important aspects of the book is how much the text can speak to a lot of different, People, Especially when we are, you know, everyone's always talking about, uh, you know, we got to decolonize our minds or decolonize, you know, education or syllabi or, or what have you. Um, and well, um, got to add one more thing to the syllabus, y'all got to add, uh, the Haitians, a decolonial history, uh, to it, because, um, I think that this is a type of book that, um, because it's so layered that it will provide an exceptional, um, Base for many different kinds of thinkers, right? Who might not even um, study Haitian history in particular. But the great thing about Haitian people and the Haitian nation is that it speaks to the world, um, and I think that's one of the greatest parts about um, uh, Haitian people and, and and the history as well. Is that it's it's one that speaks to African people and uh, uh, people of the Africa of the Black world. In general, um, and so uh, you know, at least that's my endorsement um, as well. And so, uh, uh, Laurent, you know, m- this is a, a question for you um, as the as the translator of, of the text. Um, you know, for, for many people, that, they might not know what this job actually entails. And so, you re- you you uh, you began uh, speaking about it a little bit ago. So to uh, uh, discuss it a little more in depth, can you describe what your responsibilities were? Um, in particular, as the translator, and also, can you uh, sit back in your chair? You know, you know, look back. You know, close your eyes and think. What was the first? When was the first time you met Jean?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, that I can remember exactly, really, because um, for those of us who work on Haiti and the Haitian Revolution, most of us will remember that the year two thousand four was a year of many conferences because it was the two hundredth anniversary of Haitian independence. Um, and I met Jean at a, at a great conference that was held at Brown University, um, where he was a, the keynote speaker. And uh, from there, um, Jean has been incredibly generous to me. He helped me to help to translate a, an article of mine to be published in the, the Journal de, de, de Société d'Histoire et de Géographie d'Haïti, so this major journal in Haiti, and eventually later uh, for an edition of my book to be published in Haiti, um, for which I'm really grateful. So there's. Uh, I guess translation has been part of our of our relationship from the beginning. Um, and since then, Jean has spent time at Duke. Um, we taught a class together uh, in 2010. So actually the semester, just it was right after the Haiti earthquake, uh, we were teaching a class on the history of Haiti that we taught together. Um, and of course, maybe most of all, Jean has been an incredible host in Haiti um, on many journeys and trips there, uh, where we have seen a lot of the country together, uh, which has really enabled me to to understand Haiti on a, a whole different level. So, um, so you know, there have been lots of conversations and connections and work with students. He's, of course, uh, helped to mentor a number of graduate students like like Julia Gaffield and others who've been who worked here at, at Duke. Um, so there's, you know, the connection goes back quite a ways. And, and I suppose that created a very specific, maybe unique context for the work of translation. Um, so this was, you know, a text that I came to through you know, with having had all those conversations, and so in reading it, um, I kind of understood those, and and I think that helped a lot because um, translating from French to English, which you know, there's obviously an, an enormous amount that has been done, and many important theoretical works uh, that have been translated from French to English. Of course, um, one thing that I have sometimes found is that there's sometimes you read a text in French and it's pretty crystalline, and sometimes English translations. Because they're a little close to the way the French language structure is, end up sort of seeming more complicated than the French original, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, one thing I wanted to do was to try to translate as much as possible the kind of po- basically like the poetry and the power of Jean's prose in French into English. Um, hopefully, I, I don't know if I achieved that, but that was a goal. You know, I wanted to to not just translate the the, the words and the concepts, but also some of the force of the of the language, and that was. Um, uh, hope that I had. And I, I think because I because I was able, to, obviously, Jean also read the translation and kind of caught things and, and pushed me back, pushed back on certain things. And so that it was a kind of collaborative endeavor um, was important. But I, I think it allowed, you know, so to, to be able to rephrase certain things so that in English, it would kind of hit um, in, in the right way was, was part of the goal. Um, and, you know, those are the main tasks. I mean, obviously, when you're translating scholarly work, you also have to Sometimes find sources in English, and there's a bit of like that kind of level where you know if you're if you're you don't you don't translate back into English something that was original in English, and so there's a little bit of that kind of work um, that was going on as well. And um, finally, you know, it was lucky to some extent that since I have also worked on a lot of the same periods, you know, in terms of the historical context, um, Mm -hmm. that was helpful. So, but those are the tasks. I mean, I, I think it's a really compelling book. So when you get into translating. Something like that, you know. It's pretty absorbing, and I, I found it a really pleasurable experience uh, overall. And, and and it was nice and reassuring to know that Jean would read it, and you know that that Listen, to sort of yeah.
2: Adam, I would like to add something because Laurent is, uh, has said something there that is very important, but he go very fast on the he went very fast on the matter because Laurent is not only a historian; he's also an anthropologist. And it's not only a work from French to English. In fact, Laurent has been able to go from the deep-seated values of Creole, my local language, to, uh, to French, which is already a problem I had myself, which is an imperial language. And English is another imperial language. You know, you have to move from the language of an oppressed people in this language, if you're an anthropologist, you immediately grasp the fact that this language carries experiences. no? And this queer language of ours, in fact, is the language of the pirates and of the buccaneers and of the real scum, you see that, of the French and uh, Irish, British, German, Dutch societies, uh, Protestant Jews, etc. All the Scum of the uh, modernity was pushing aside. Now they was st- they start. The- they were the first, uh, let's say, fatra. I know as in English garbage of modernity. Now and they start creating that language, and it is that language which carry our basic values. Okay, it is that basic value that Laurent, as a good anthropologist, has been able to grasp to put it into English via French no, and move it so therefore you have a divine between local and imperial language that Laurent has been able as a translator to cross and I think uh, this is to be uh, uh, on the line
0: mm. well thank no, you I, for saying that. that yeah
1: no, that that's that's exceptional, and and you know, like I said, you know, before, hey, this is this is an opportunity for y'all to cipher, uh, you know, between each other, and it's just recorded this time. Uh, so, so anytime you want to chime in, just uh, just do it. The thing uh, I would say, just because,
0: yeah. and I say this in my translator's preferences, like Jean's book is already an act of translation, and I mean, in it's in its French version, right? He's mm-hmm. trying to translate concepts again, and and there are ways that he formulates that's, things that are very Creole, you know, that are, that are, I mean, he, 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 he does, he does use the French language, but he turns the French language to his own ends, <laughs> I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, and so it's, it's a, it's a French that, that is different from most people's French, you know, or from any other writer's French, because it is, it is already some kind of, right. I, I, I think that, I think that you'd agree with me with that, right, John, that, that oh, you yes. kind of, and so the words and terms sometimes that you've decided to use for certain things are, Um, you know, come out of that already. Right. And that I think is is so interesting. It's Haitian French and it's sort of (laughs) the proverbs that are in there, but also just the conceptual, the basic concept of of being human and what it means to be human and all those sorts of things there. So that's, that was interesting. And so in a sense, it's like my, my translation is just part of a series of, (laughs) a series of acts of translation. I would put it that way. Um, So yeah. And I think, I think that's quite interesting. And, and, you know, it's also of necessity, right? We operate in the languages that are, that are dominant, that are here. Yep. Um, and, and we t- we do our best with them. Uh, and so that was, that was part of the goal, but I definitely felt that to be the case in this process.
1: Yeah. And, and one of the, I th- I also thought in terms of, you know, the question of modernity is very much an important theme in, in, in the book and how, you know, the role of, of, of Haitian people in the, in the, I guess the question of modernity and what does that actually mean, right? This question of early modern, modern, and all these different terms. And so for me, it also makes me think about just the importance of not only the people, but also the history and, and really pushing against this question of, um, of, um, objectivity in the writing of history, Right, because this mm-hmm. at the at the end of the day, right, this is a decolonial, but it's a history, right? So it's a very, um, and 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 Laura, you you mentioned this in in your discussion of translation, the power of the prose that Jean brings to bear is just like, damn, like I, I was reading, I was like, damn, I want to write like this. Like, like, Dr. John, you might be listening. I, can I write like this? Probably not. Not until I get my, you my know, dissertation down. But, you know, at, at some point, I would love to just be able to be like, damn. Like, you the, have the, the, the to power. Use
2: local language.
1: Amen. <laughs> hey, hey,
0: the thing that's also, I mean, there's p- the passages, you know, many passages I like, but there are just these moments where Jean, what he does, what we need to do, which is to just really imagine, for instance, you know, what it meant to be
2: Mm-hmm.
0: you know, a person arriving in Sendemank from say Central Africa. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's those moments I think are, I mean, they really are, you know, they're theoretical and, and kind of literary moments at the same time. And I think that's, so that is something again, I think, and it's interesting, obviously that's just a, a when I was translating, I was realizing how rare that is actually in our academic work, mm-hmm. um, and yet how powerful that is, because, of course, it is all about perspective. You know, Jean, you, I will cite you often sort of say, and, and I remember you in, in class, you know, saying this, right? Right. Um, if you're writing about 1492, you you have to make a choice about whether you're on the boat or on the shore.
1: <laughs> yes. you know, no.
0: you are not. You know, you have to choose. You you. It's That's and it's not true. like. And I, and I think to some extent, people imagine like, well, no, maybe I could be floating up in the air, looking at this scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> and what I think you always saying is like, no. At the end of the day, you know, you, you do you're have to choose. Man. You're are you are located. You know, where are you in that moment? Right, and 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 in other moments. And and that I think is you know that really comes through. And the moments in the book where you where you speak basically in the first person at times about about what is driving you to write this book, right? What is making what what you are trying to? And the the moments of celebration, right? You talk about the beauty of the 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 sovereign people of Haiti, right? And the the, and Mm -hmm. those sorts of moments too, which again are are go so much against often what the language that is there. Uh, for Haitians and even the language that has often been produced by by Haitian thinkers, right? Who are, I should add, that Jean is very much in intention with and an argument with a lot of other Haitian thought. (laughs) So there is, you know, there is very much that, you know, so this is a, um, that is very interesting, I think. And, and to some extent it's interesting because I think there are, there are some interesting dynamics or parallels in, in kind of debates within African-American thought, for instance, or, um, but so that, that's, that's part of the, that's part of what makes the book very interesting.
1: Yeah, and Jean, if if you want to discuss, you know, our new books in African American studies, we always love to hear uh, any any questions of debate or and uh, you know uh, contextual uh, dilemmas that, that 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 are going on in 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 historiographic or you know in, in process and that. So if you want to pick up on that, please please do. <laughs> no,
2: I mean, I, I, I will I would accept and confess my. I, I want to say nearly ignorance. I mean, because my knowledge is so, so, so feeble, so fragile on this matter, because the history of African-American, if this is what you're asking me, is so complex, so difficult, and so different from mine from this angle, and not from the angle of both of us being oppressed. But mm-hmm. you are an oppressed people that happen to be, a minority. We are an oppressed people that happen to be a majority from the not only a majority, but most of us were not acculturated to the West. Haiti mm. is the only country that become independent with a set of foreigners. You said, I mean, we're not creoles. Two thirds of the country were just coming from Africa. Right. You see, so that gives you another local history, no, which doesn't make Any particularity from the, in the sense of oppressed people trying to produce life and to produce joy, to produce existence, because we have to recreate us. But the condition for our recreation of us, our, our, I would say, we have to create another individuals. You know, I mean, the condition is very different when you take, to be very honest, as far as I'm concerned, the 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 whole process of black lives matters you now which is huge important and i was even well i said even to laurent you no know, how i think that is nearly <laughs> nearly the advent of the end of the system but anyway mm-hmm. but this whole black black life matters is something with all due respect is nearly, nearly meaningless for most of the Haitians you know why Because Black Life Matters since seventeen (laughs) ninety one. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because when you look at, for instance, the the any any manifestation of people during the black black life matters of the US, no, you can see, you know, I mean the composite what you call the diversity of the population. You see it because you're looking at it with the modern eyes. But when you're looking at in 1791, no. It is only in the literature, the narrative of the dominant classes, you see the the, the differences, because in Haiti itself, what we call maroons, for instance, no, or what they call Brigand, had black people, petit blanc, etc. Everybody was there, and mestizos, etc., etc. It was all oppressed people who had to give support one to another to breathe in that system, that slavery system. You see what I mean? So from that moment, we become human beings by acknowledging that all life matters. You know what I mean? Uh, Don't misinterpret uh, all life matters because I've been in the US and I know some people want to oppose to black life matters, all life matters with some political intention, which I don't have. I don't know if I made myself clear.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, de- yeah definitely. <laughs> oh, I, I, did, no? I got you.
2: Okay. No, so, therefore, as far as are con- we are concerned, the history of Haiti is based on that. And worldly enough, no, it is through, in fact, certain certain resistance uh, ideologies in the West, in the West, eh? basically through Marxism, that mm-hmm. the element of ethnicities and racialization is coming back to certain certain sectors of our uh, of Haitian intellectuality. But from the point of view of the Haitian uh, majorities of the masses, what they used to call the masses, no, there has never been a, a, a question of black Lives matters. They will tell you, is there other other life? Hmm. Is when, for instance, the U.S. is saying black is beautiful, Haitian will say, is there anything else? Because they don't see anything else but black. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so the location and the history of the country, no? Because uh, this is key to the uh, uh, to the understanding of the world an oppressed people is creating as opposed to the world a dominant people is creating. When you take the whole history of capitalism, you will see that capitalism started with dismembering the communities no, and creating individuals. No, and through the creation of these individuals, no, you will end up having uh, citizens which will speak through the state. But this is feasible. This give you a a whole, a whole itinerary if you are in a country with one ethnicity like Europe, like England at that time when capitalism started, et cetera, et cetera. But if you are in a country like Haiti, for instance, like the plantation system, for instance, what happened? When you come with dismembered labor force coming from Africa, from different tribes, from 24 ethnic different, et cetera, et cetera. This group of people has no chance of being one day part of a citizenry that will participate in the state. What do they do, therefore? The element to understand them, it is not the individuals that get together or that reconstruct their community. It's the community that will recreate the individuals. I don't know if I made myself clear.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You
2: see, for us, the lacou is the basis to create the individuals. While for, U- for UK capitalism, it's the destruction of the communes that will create the individuals. You see, and this individual, at some point in time, will tell the king, or, or in France, they will, they will have the revolution, they will have democracy, they will have republics, or in the, U- in the UK, with their uh, own history, they will have uh, how to call that? Aye, the Bill of Rights, et cetera, et cetera, coming out. In our case, if we were to have a Bill of Rights, it will be the Bill of Rights of the communities, the Bill of Rights of the coup not the Bill of Rights of the individuals, because the individuals is, is a creation of a, a community that is still the shield of the
0: individuals. I don't know if, you see, I don't know if I made myself
2: clear.
1: No, no, yeah. Yeah.
0: One thing I thought I might do because i there's a there's a phrase at the beginning of the book that i I think kind of condenses this really nicely if if you'll permit Jean yeah. or I might just read right, um, go on, it's go right on. in the it's in the introduction and it's one of I mean one of my favorite passages where you you just sort of say you speak to the to the reader um from this perspective you've been describing and sort of you say um if readers ask what I have learned from writing this yeah. book. That, now, that I now offer to them. My answer is that above all, in how I live my personal life, I no longer see my ancestors as former slaves. I don't even think of them as a dominated class. Their misery is only the most superficial aspect of their reality. It is the reality that colonialists prefer to emphasize, along with those among them who oppose the cruelty of some colonists, but don't ultimately reject colonization itself. Having finished this book, I've come to realize that my ancestors, as individuals and as a group, never stopped resisting slavery and domination. I am the child of a collective of fighters, not of the vanquished. I have chosen to venerate them, to honor these captives reduced to slavery and those emancipated, as a reward for their service to colonialism. Um, so, I, but I, that phrase, exactly. I am the child of a collective of fighters, not of the vanquished, and it made me think. I remember I, I did have, at one point, I had the opportunity to have a conversation with uh, Tana Hesse Coates about. Haitian history and the Haitian revolution. And um, I just remember he, at a moment, he sort of said, you know, one re- you realize when speaking to Haitians th- that that they won the war, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. that, <laughs> that they, they know that they won the war, right? And they and that, that doesn't mean that there haven't been all kinds of, you know, battles since then, but there's this kind of, and I think that's part of what John's saying. And, and it's not just that they won the war of independence, um, but that even before that, they they did not they did not follow you know they they and and the, the passages in the book where Jean sort of says you know they would have known of course that slavery is totally illegitimate and that this whole system is crazy basically <laughs> and that they had been put into this insane situation but they mm-hmm. never thought that they were slaves they just that's they amazing. might they might have understood that other people believed that they were and that they had to sort of deal with that and negotiate with those people but that's not the same right and it's it's a very powerful point and we we have this, of course people make this point here, right. And in terms of terminology and thinking about using enslaved or captive, but the Mm -hmm. the way that he kind of works through that, I, I I recommend highly, (laughs) let's say after years of having studied, you know, sort of read lots of books about the history of slavery, I found those particular passages, I uh, kind of a must read for, um, for people thinking about that.
1: And and, in that particular passage, the um, like the, I was actually, you know, it's funny. I was, I was trying to find that particular passage, uh, to, to, so, so this is actually perfect. Um, because that passage brings up so much. It, it, I don't know how many lines that was, but that can encapsulate debate, at least that I've seen over the, like the last couple years, just the discussion, especially in public discourse about, you know, uh, being, you know, as a, as a, as a African American myself, um, you know, seeing myself and seeing my ancestors, but also what we call them is important. And also the, the word reduced, I think reduced to slavery, I think did Mm -hmm. so much work right there because they were not this legal term, right. They were people reduced to, right. But, but they were as, as humans, right. As people. And And I think just reading that passage in right the the question of social death and you know in this Afro pessimist um, lens I think is just I think for all of those reading you know that that particular book I think you need to add another to kind of um, to balance shall we say um, um, yeah well.
2: that's an interesting
0: point interesting point you're so mm-hmm. right
2: Adam because for instance from it's so ridiculous to think of the slave being socially dead, because in that case, you cannot have a slave revolution. Dead people can't make a revolution.
1: Amen. So, <laughs> you So,
2: So the idea, uh, 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 the reverse, is that precisely the basic of it is your sovereignty. You have never forsaken your sovereignty. Even if you were seen, reduced to slavery, if you were enslaved, you were still sovereign. Why were you sovereign? But the very proof is that the fellow has to beat you up. Because if you are not sovereign, he would need no violence on you. He, would, mm-hmm. he will need no police. He will be no lynching. Because the fact that he has to lynch you and to make pressure on you is the best proof that you are sovereign. And you take decision and you oppose him. And you're looking at him with so much defiance. he's already annoyed. Because you're looking at him. They will say in Haiti, eh, also in English. Yeah, lower, your, lower your eyes. Lower your eyes. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, because this is already a defiance. This is already, I challenge you. You see, uh, this is very important. And uh, if I may give an example of a carnival song that I was discussing last week, the fellow mm-hmm. is saying he is a maroon. He say, and this is a carnival song. I mean, we are enjoying ourselves. You see. Tell them, tell them I'm living in criminality and all my family is living in criminality. I mean, by the it's not that I am a criminal. No, I am behaving at, as while you call criminal and I choose to defy you. You said, I mean, I am celebrating life, <laughs> you know, in, in Creole. No? Tell them I am living in criminality. Tell them my family totally is living as criminal. Because we are Maroon, we are ba- bandit, we are brigand, what you call brigand. But in fact, and this is the whole book of a, bio- a bi- biography of a, of a Maroon, of Esteban Montejo, if I'm not, a, no, no. The mm-hmm. Maroon name is Esteban Montejo, the Cuban one. Anyway, so the idea is that you are always you. And this is, this is something that is beyond enslavement. Beyond the possibility of the master to own you. No. And once you are yourself, you are indeed fragile. You are indeed feeble. And to save the little wealth you have, which is your will, you will exactly create a group, a community. And this community will shield you all your life. So therefore, the, 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 the breaking your individuality from the communal uh, group is something it is nearly unthinkable. But once you are in the group, it is absolutely ridiculous to speak of you as, as a slave. As an, you said, I mean, it is ridiculous because mm. you are in the group and the group will define your personalities. The group will tell you what an individual is. And this is where you come back to this basic principle. Everybody is a person. You see what I mean? So mm-hmm. once you move from that point, no, you have a whole different construction. A whole different construction that will, in the case of Haiti, put you against the state. The state being now the government as you inherited, as a system inherited from the colonial world. You see what I mean? You have your mm-hmm. nation, your community versus the state. Now, at no point in time the state is capable of, of, of defining your horizon. On the contrary, your horizon exists because you are against the state. You see, and this is true all over. This is true for any oppressed person because the state is oppression. You know, obviously, if you're a French fellow or a British, uh, but I say French because this is the, I have more infor- information on that. At some point in time, these individuals will get rid of the king. They will create uh, their republic and they will have the peuple sovereign or the sovereign people. And this will be the basis of the French uh, system of the republic. And it is supposed to be the basis for the state to work. But as you and and, and Laurent knows well, but this is not mm-hmm. prevent you to have enslaved because they are not part of your society. They are not persons. You see what I mean? So from mm-hmm. my point of view, in Haiti and when I mean in Haiti, I mean in all the majority people that are oppressed by colonial, by colonial states. And I mean by that the whole of America, the whole of Africa, etc, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. we are the majority. The dominant people, the people, bureaucrats or eh, entrepreneurs or those who are representing the West, no? As soon as they leave Europe or the U.S., they are the minority. Right. No, And this is one of the things we have to realize. In Haiti, no more than 10% of the population is really a, a acculturated to a French or Western ways. You see? etc. Mm-hmm.
1: Amen. Yeah, and, and, and I think that this is very important for um for, for, for everyone to hear in terms of this this decolonial and um you know uh Laurent, you you had a passage uh that discussed in, in, in your uh note um about the Haitian nation versus I believe the Haitian state. Um and, and it said uh this shift, this disobedience, this drive toward independent thought is a fundamental step to decolonial freedom um, while discussing the, the formation of the Haitian nation, despite the Haitian state. And um, so, so, so I just think right. that there's, there, there's just so much. And, and so actually uh, Jean, on, on that point, can you, can you discuss for those who um, might, you know, so, so who are getting ready to read the book about the, how you came to this, uh, this, this, this um, separation um, between the the Haitian nation and the uh, despite the, the Haitian state
2: yes indeed uh, because uh, I must say that uh, in French no in the language no mm-hmm. state and government are different matters no and there is even a sentence I don't know for the British even though I think it's this sentence from from a Brit which says that the state is what, is what exists, what continues, when the government fell down?
0: When you change government, the state is there still. It's like the state is what remains when the government is gone, or when, exactly, the, when the government exactly, exactly. It's, it's that that remains, it's remains. I think is the key. You know? I yeah. mean, this mm-hmm. is
2: the structure. Okay, that structure. You no know, when you go through history, at least to the French history, appears at some uh, also the Spanish history appears at some point in time. When the feudal lords, tired of fighting each other, decide to, let's say, let's stop fighting. Let's agree on something. And somebody will uh, will, uh, be responsible for this this alliance. And this somebody will call that somebody the queen or the king or the sovereign. C'est le souverain, the sovereign. Okay. So the sovereign will uh, put order. In the system, and is in charge of. It is a kind of a, a kind of a chef d'orchestre, no, the one who is responsible for the music, no. And this is why, when the king died, long live the king, because there is another one coming, because he is not himself. It is the alliance that will continue, and he is in charge also of looking at the government. Okay, now in countries of the third world, particularly in. The plantation system, or even in countries like Canada, they do not even use the word state. They, 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 they used to, to speak about the civil service, the civil servant, the, la fonction publique, the public function, because, mm-hmm. because they, they, they put state and government in one being. This is true under the colonial world, because the enslaved, which was 90%, or I don't know more, of the population, is not a citizen. And those who are landowners or whatever it is, they are landowners. They are on the on the at the at the at the, at the mercy of the of, of the king, you know. What I mean, the king decides. The king gives you land. In fact, he didn't even give you land. He, he, you are you rent the land from the king. The king can't take it anytime. And precisely Saint Domingue is part of the king's uh, possession. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So therefore, when you oppose the king and you're going to move toward what is the biggest production, the biggest I don't know, uh, performance of the French state, when you move toward republic, the republic, when you have the whole people deciding who is going to govern. I mean, that the peuple souverain, the sovereign people deciding of the system. No, in that moment, you will have state, which is the constitution and government. And you have four, five, six different republics going all the 19th century, etc., etc. Of France, from 1789 to nowadays, we have a series of republics going around and the state remain. Okay. So when you're looking at Haiti now, you have to ask yourself what happened when a good day, those people decided that uh, uh, we are going to have to give those people the emancipation because the British and the Spaniards and the brigands are going to take the country from us. And you decide from one day to another that 90% of the population will become citizens. What do you call citizens, therefore? No, And you have to make a definition. There are no more slaves. They are cultivators. They cannot leave the, the, the plantation. All sort of uh, uh, irrationalities, to put it that way. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so <laughs> when you make that decision, the nation, I mean the population, do you think they are going to discuss and to negotiate their rights within the framework you are offering you said, I mean, why is right. it that you had to send so, such an army to to subdue them, because they were they were reign because they had taken decision that didn't suit you? You see, my so this is how you have to make a de, uh, you have to delink nation from state, and you have to look at not the theoretical definition of nation, but the anthropological, ethnological, I don't know what word, sociological path <laughs> followed by the individuals to create a unit. Which you have to call nation, no? And this nation now will have to to uh, to measure itself to the government, which happened to call itself state.
1: Mm, mm. And and that actually is a great discussion that can really go towards my next question, which you know to invoke um, the 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 words and the thoughts of the great uh Robin D. G. Kelly, um here, right? because you're speaking about the nation versus the state, um, specifically about the importance of the sovereign people uh, of Haiti. Um, this makes me think about freedom dreams, right? And it makes me think about the audacious ones that we all have. And so uh, for the for the ones that you wanna that you're okay divulging, um, you know, I'm sure there, there are some that uh, we're going to keep fugitive here, uh, but for the ones above surface, um, can you describe what, and this goes for both of you, um, what are both of your most audacious freedom dreams that, once again, you're okay with divulging on tape?
0: front. Hmm. <laughs> oh, no, you're the one who's supposed to take. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> okay. I do. Well, the one, you know, it's interesting because the first thing I thought was that, um, there are so many ways in which those dreams are already kind of reality in Haiti, which in the sense of, you know, one of the things I've learned from from Jean to understand is the kind of way that people think of land, right? And the lacou and the future, mm-hmm. right? And guaranteeing guaranteeing that that there will be land for your descendants by the way that that sort of land tenure is structured in, in Haitian society, right? So um, this radical assertion that there will be a future, that the future will be sovereign, you know that people will continue to be autonomous. Uh, really, to some extent, almost no matter what will come at them, right? Because Haiti's born out of this 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 overthrow of this incredibly strong, you know, slave system, right? This, this incredibly strong, powerful system that locked people. Um, the kind of overthrow of that, but then more importantly, the creation of structures that that guarantee. Uh, that it can't return, right? That that system can't return. So there's an, in a way, it's a, it's a kind of haunting of that, of that system. Um, But also that sense of the the dream essentially is already, is is present in the sense that, uh, that the, the absolute assertion of, of sovereignty into the future, right? Um, Against every, against everything that the, that the colonial system insists, right? Which is like, you know, you must disappear. Um, you must, you can't be sovereign. You can't be who you are. You must only kind of fit into categories, right? That we have all of the things that Jean explains in the book. So, um, you know, so I think obviously the dream would be that, that, that all of the constraints and limitations placed on that set of set of ideals, um, you know, could be overcome, right? So that there could be a, a, a more of a flourishing because obviously there have been so many constraints. Um, but so I guess, yeah, so my response is sort of like the the dream is there, although it's obviously, you know, it, it continues to be um, contained or, or refused in so you many see. ways. And what could be done if it was to flourish, right?
2: You see, this is exactly what uh, I like to call in the book, la liberté sans frontier. You have a freedom without borders. And mm-hmm. I think Nick Nesbit has a nice sentence where he speaks about the freedom of inventing something that did not exist before. You can think of anything. Mm-hmm. And what Laurent told you about uh, land, we can say that about family. Imagine mm-hmm. the person coming from Africa, no? He, as I like to repeat after to celebrate you, naked like a, a worm, no? A de terre.
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah.
2: You worm, know what I mean? Yeah he come like he or she comes like that. No, there is no gender among them, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And they have to create a family. A family in a dominant system that think of the Judeo, Christian, Patriarchal, Male, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera family. How is going to create a family? And he's going to invent Plassage. He's going to invent a, a, a new family that doesn't fit in any in any of the, of the codes of the jackets that the West is offering, no? Same thing, he will invent a use of the land that does not fit in, those, in the system of private property they are thinking about. So therefore, you have a family where in fact up to now you you have difficulties in defining it as far as i'm concerned because it is the whole community which is the family what you see every day in those uh, uh, in those migration process no? when a kid is uh, entrusted to a neighbor because the neighbor is nearly that is the mother or the or the father of the kid because the kid belongs to a community, and the whole community takes care of the king. So therefore, you have to invent something, a type of family that is beyond the norm of the West. But not only it is beyond the word norm of the West. I was uh, uh, talking about family, telling my friends, know that all of us Haitians today, 2020, our grand, the generation of our grandparents, none of them were married. We are all Placé. I mean, we live in free union, no? And the whole country have been like that for not only two centuries, but long enough to assist the West coming to that. Because look at the young people today in the in France or in the U.S. They don't get married anymore. That flat stupid <laughs> from their point of view. <laughs> you see what I mean? So we have had that all the time. And during 200 years, the church, the all sort of church, no? Has spent their time attacking this free union we have, this free way, and well, I will not, uh, I will never finish on on uh, mentioning the number of negative things that is being said on the Haitian family. By the way, the Caribbean family in general, because precisely the community is in fact the responsible, the uh, in last instance, for the new generation coming in. You see, and uh, this is precisely one of, of what the West call underdevelopment, because the system of education, for instance, cannot follow that that uh, that uh, renewal of the that way of renewing the population. You see what I mean. So mm-hmm. therefore, when you take a country like Haiti or Saint Domingue, where the population during one hundred years from the when the French took over until the independence. cannot reproduce itself. Well, you always have had more people born in Africa than local, locally born, no? When you take these people and you stop the slave trade, what do you have? You have a population that is going to regenerate itself alone, no? So therefore, this population is going to invent a new system of a, I don't know, a new family, or a new way of creating family, a new way of organizing family. And this will be institutionalized. It has to be institutionalized. And it has been working from 1791 up to now and quite, a, I would say, stable, you see. So this is exactly what is the total freedom, the freedom of inventing things that does not exist before of institutionalizing these things, and you just don't care if the state or the church bless it or there's a code to help. You just don't care. You manage your life parallelly to that. This is very Mm. important. This is, to my mind, the freedom, the most audacious freedom we could have if we could just try to imagine things and if we could have a new generation Because man is going out, coming in and trying to codify those inventions we have. And then we'll see if we can put that in codes of law. But for the time being, if we could make the, the inventory of so many things we have invented and that the West is now discovering. When I'm in the West, I should say the dominant West because... (laughs) the 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 poor west and the dominated west now is more or less living like us
1: Mm. Mm. and so one of the things that this question of um dreams brings up also is the question of hope um and and i don't take for granted that everyone has you know hope honestly um in, in the in this way so um uh take this on if you'd like um so, especially in a year like this one, as tumultuous um, and bloody really as twenty twenty has been, um, what if anything keeps you hopeful?
2: You see, uh, first of all, sometimes intellectuals, academia, people thinking, no, we we are so so, uh, I would say, uh, vulnerable, so close to the crisis. That we forget that all step we have made forward, we made it forward because the dominant system was in crisis. H is independence. You cannot understand it without the, the French, <laughs> the French Revolution. You cannot understand it with the, I would not even say crisis, the chaos of France. You know what I mean? That allows us to move forward. So I agree. Today we are in a tremendous crisis and poor Haitian, I cannot tell you nowadays in what situation we are. But on the other hand, we from the academia, we should realize that I don't see how Haiti will not be in crisis. If the U.S. is in crisis, if we are only a colony of the U.S., you said, I mean, how could we be stable with norms, with respecting accepted ideas and moving forward quietly if our metropolitan country i mean it need not to be formal no is in such a mess because that's the case of the u.s okay so if i had my way i would like to have my colleagues to sit down and what can we do where the u.s cannot do anything i mean by that when the u.s is in trouble with their internal problems no, this is how we made the independence. You see what I mean? Toussaint and so on and so forth, and Dessalines and Petra and Rigaud, they were fighting all around. Ask yourself, what was a uh, normal Haitian thinking of Santonax or Edouville? They would say, who? They don't care less about Santonax or Edouville. You know what I mean? It is not that there was a set of problems, in, because there was a set of problems. In the higher spheres, no? Down there, we are organizing a new way of living. We are organizing the counter plantation system because the plantation could not work properly. Okay. So now we have liberalism, no? Having a tremendous set of trouble now. They just cannot even have a normal election. They cannot even have a democracy the way they're proposing democracy. And this is not only for the U.S., you can look at uh, other countries, no? They have problems. So why not we think of a way of moving forward without imitating them? You're following me, no? This is where I'm not so sure that uh, we do not have hope. On the contrary, we are live, when I say we do not, we are not aware of the fact that most of our people are living, are creating life, no, during the crisis, and that the crisis, in fact, maybe is offering possibilities of invention, of research, of moving forward, that our people would profit much more if we were thinking in the same way they are thinking, how shall we move forward? Because no matter how you take the history of oppressed people. No, we are the producers of life. We are the producers of a joy. We are the producers of samba, of calypso, of salsa. Of There is not one single music of the modern time that is not produced by Mestizo people. You know what I mean? And everybody will agree that Mestizo people has been since, say, 1492. The most oppressed people around. Nonetheless, joy comes from us. Music comes from us. We need call it jazz, call it samba, call it, call it tango, call it whatever you want to call it. We can produce joy. No? Okay, it's not easy. It's not easy. We cannot see it. We cannot codify it. We cannot feel it. We are living with a lot of anxiety because, exactly, we are this little crossed on the top of the iceberg, and we are more fragile. We are more. We reflect the crisis. You say reflect the crisis. Is more is more visible in us, no? While downstairs, down lower, no. The troop, the troop, the poor people are fighting and are moving forward and are taking are taking. Advantage no, of the crisis of the higher spheres no. So therefore, I do. I, it's not that I see hope. It is that uh, I think that it is important for us, from time to time, to detach ourselves from the day-to-day uh, problems no, and see it on a on a on a long-term or medium-term vision.
1: Mm. Whew. There it is That is that that's Laurent it's like, this is going to be hard to to, to follow but uh, you know I I definitely would love to learn more about you know what what brings you hope at this point too. And, I think it might he, actually just be from what he just said for all we know.
0: I think I'm going to just yeah I'm going to just let that stand. I think I think Jean should, I, I Yeah, I love what he said, and I I agree. I think um, there's so much possibility, and 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 that really has to do with, in some ways, just maybe recognizing uh, what is possible or what has always been possible, in a certain way. Um, what has been made possible in these in these contexts, and I, I think that's yeah, that that is a great place to to maybe rest on.
1: Yeah, um and uh you know, I got a, got a couple more questions. We're going a little bit longer, but they're just this conversation is just so so uh damn generative. My goodness. Um so, you know, for both of you, uh you're both important chroniclers of the Haitian past and really of the present as well to a degree as well, which is I think also important. Um and, and so can you describe to the vis- uh, to the visitors well, the visitors of the conversation, but the listeners of the conversation, um, what it means for you all to chronicle this important history uh, of, of, H- of Haiti's people? What does it mean for you all both to be one of the important chroniclers of, of such an important history for, for really all of us?
2: Well, actually, Adam, this is what gives you a reason to live. Because if you pay attention to what's going around, you want to kill yourself. <laughs> you know, you have to keep studying and looking how you come forward, how you exist, how you create life, how you move forward in spite of everything. Because, for instance, when I tell my, my students sometimes, once I told some student of secondary school, listen, I say, your situation, isn't it better than the situation of the enslaved? I mean they were people of your age, 18, 19, no? And they bring them over there and they have them the sugarcane plantation and heating them up, having them cutting sugarcane, etc. I et say, you are at school, you even have shoes, <laughs> etc. So, and they went through and they go they went forward. So, why don't you go forward? Why don't you find a way of moving forward? Okay, okay, stop complaining, do something about it. What is it that I am going to do? How can I tell you? I don't know what situation. You, in what circumstances you're going to negotiate your way out. But the need for negotiating your way out is something that should be obsessing. You should look for that because this is your will, this is your power, and this is your possibilities, even though it looks to you a cul-de-sac, a dead end street. no, But you have to find a way through because this is what brings you here. We came we were put into a dead end street, and we moved forward. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. We move forward. I mean, look at any, 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 any a, a group in America of oppressed people. They are moving forward. It is not that they are happy about what's going on, precisely, because they are not happy of what's going on. They are trying to find a way to get out of it. So, I don't know. I mean, this is what keep me keep me alive. The day. I I would really uh, 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 lose that that uh, that desire to fight, but oh, I did long time.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, that that's that's definitely an important one. That's definitely an important one. And uh, and yeah, just the the importance of um, being a chronicler means that you in a way you have the keys to hope for other people um, through continuous uh, study and storytelling, um, which I think is important for, for all of us. Um, It's why I'm glad that the, that the the Haitians of decolonial history was written the way it was um, and translated the way it was because there's hope peppered throughout the text, the entire text. Um, And that no matter what chapter you pick up, uh, reading from, you're gonna find something to to maybe make you want to get a couple shots of whiskey, like I did. Uh, but others, <laughs> it's like it, it's, it's possible. You know, there 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 is a beauty in that, um, uh, and the beauty in the possibilities that that Haitian history provides to us all.
0: You um, see, Adam. So I'm sorry to interrupt this with the recording. Yes. I I have to go to a meeting, um, at noon or that started at noon. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, no problem. So uh, this is actually a, a great way to end. And so, um, both of you, thank you so much for welcome, taking Adam. the time to discuss such an amazing book. And uh, like I said, sorry for going a little over, but um, hopefully uh, once this gets uh, put into the world, that everyone will will definitely uh, enjoy it. And so, I uh, hope that you all have a phenomenal day, and uh, look forward to speaking more to y'all very, very soon. Take good care. All righty.
2: Thank you. Sorry about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem at all. And honestly, that is a phenomenal uh, way for us to end up our our conversation, to conclude uh, the discussion here today. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Jean and uh, Laurent, for taking the time to discuss such a beautiful book and uh, to also have both of you in discussion throughout because I think that we're all better off, not only for the book being in the world, but for both of you to dialogue back and forth about the publication process of the book and also your own uh, friendship as well. And so I I really appreciate you all. And so please y'all go out and get this amazing book, The Haitians, A Decolonial History. Uh, from UNC Press, and if if you can, please buy from independent bookstores. We need, we need, we need, and we must support them, especially in, during this COVID era. And so, um, if y'all liked this episode, rate us and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to New Books in African American Studies and the New Books Network as well. Please, please do. Until next time, folks. This is your host. Adam McNeil, signing off, over and out.